Welcome to the Newtown Big Dreams Podcast, an interview-style talk show that's your gateway to the fabulous and fascinating people who relocated to start a new life. Whether you're new to our podcast or your city, our fellow neighbors from across Canada, North America, and the entire English-speaking world share their stories of reaching new horizons and big dreams. So sit back and relax as we navigate in-depth and intimate conversations with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, executives, creatives, and anyone who can share their story about their new town, Big Dreams. And now, here's your host, Luke J. Menkes. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 238. Today I am with E.A. Solkovitz. He is in Bloomfield, Illinois. A fascinating guy. His bio is way too long for me to read all of it, but we're going to get into a great conversation. Uh, this gentleman, E.A. Solkovitz, was born in 1956, Chicago, Illinois, and uh, he started off as the son of a milkman. Then at the age of 16, he started his business career, commission sales job. He got to meet the founder of McDonald's and it just goes from there. It's just an incredible story. So let's welcome E.A. Solkovitz to the show. E.A. Solkovitz, it's been a few months since we spoke. How's life? Thank you. Uh, doing absolutely great, and uh, thanks for having me as a return visit to your podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I was checking my calendar, and it was uh, about three and a half months ago. We uh, so uh, doing absolutely great. How about yourself? Really good, really good. It's um, six a.m. over here, which is fine, but uh, I had a bit of insomnia last night, so that's why I'm a few minutes late this morning. So I appreciate your. It, it must have been just. It must have been anticipation of the interview. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah, a little bit nervous for sure. <laughs> so, so uh, EA, tell us your fascinating story. I mean, we. I think we talked over an hour last time. We barely scratched the surface, but you were a millionaire at the age of twenty-three. So, give us a bit of your background. Happy to do that. Then, and uh, yes, last time we uh, spoke for about an, an hour, hour, and then uh, let's see, including the time we, we said my last name, that gave us five minutes to talk. <laughs> so, right? Because 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 the last name's so long. Anyway, uh, so oh, right. uh, thank you for having me back, and and uh, bless your story yeah, uh, with listeners, etc. Um, I'm originally from Chicago. Uh, born and raised in the Chicago area, a suburb of Chicago called Oak Brook. And, and, uh, um, and, and my father was a milkman uh, for the Chicago area. He is, and, and that was sort of my first experience of sort of having uh, not necessarily your own business, but he had his own route. And, and I think, uh, Luke, that's where I first learned the importance of being a self-starter just by watching him and the things he would say. Because since he had his own route, it was a dairy called Twin Oaks Dairy in the Chicagoland area. And, uh, okay. you know, one man operation delivered milk in the morning, you know, and back then milk. I'm 65 years old now. And, you know, back then I was five years old and, uh, you know, milk was in the glass container. And, uh, and, and the... Right. 
outside the house, the milkman box. And, you know, it was amazing, Luke. No one. Everyone knew that there was money in the milkman box and no one touched it. No one touched it. It was just all. Really? Why? Why is that? Yeah. I mean, just. I think different times, you know, I mean, uh, just, mm. you know, everyone knew, everyone knew there was a milkman box. Everyone knew milk was going in it. it was the door, you know, and usually there was a money and a note inside. Like a handwritten note. That, you know, a gallon of milk, half a gallon of milk, you know, a dozen eggs, you know, because we had juice, eggs and milk pretty much, you know, where, you know, the air. Yeah, things were delivered. My father delivered. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it was Twin Oaks Dairy and he had his own route. And so, uh, and it was funny because as we go through the neighborhood, because I know your area and has to do with geography, and talk about um, traffic conditions are yeah. a little bit different back then. And uh, so, what my right. father used to do was uh, in the milk truck, he would center it on the center of the street and okay. just keep it in gear because it was a manual transmission, right? Uh, back then, there were more cars right. than manual transmission than automatic. So here's this big milk truck, uh, and he would just put it in gear and let, let it idle. While we were delivering milk out both sides of the truck on the doors, <laughs> so and, because wow. there was no there was no traffic, <laughs> he just let right. so the truck would just roll down the middle of the street at you know slower than snails. Basically, just idling mm-hmm. down the street, you know, and and, and he said, you know, he's sort of mechanically yeah. mechanic, uh, inclined. So he said the idler just so it would do that. that. So it would literally would just roll down the street, and then I was out one door, he was out the other door, uh, and and we were delivering milk going back and forth and out of the truck while I was rolling down the middle of the street in uh, in Chicago. And these were these were areas where the houses were close to each other, but there just wasn't much traffic, you know. And and, uh, and, and yeah. So anyway. That, <laughs> my experience you know in, in the, the the more the downtown not really downtown but close to downtown kind of suburb and we but we lived more in the mm-hmm. oakbrook area and Did i was you? born and raised in that area uh, and that i'm sorry uh, oh so, i was gonna say uh, so as did you ever have a problem with yeah. that uh with the truck big, big delay i'm really sorry about that yeah with the truck like did it uh ever okay. hit uh, something or well, no, I mean, I mean if, if it looked like you know, I mean, he knew what streets it was his route. He, you know, uh, you know, at least maybe yeah. twice a week, you know, once a week at the worst, but you know, he, he pretty much saw all of his uh, uh, sometimes twice a week, depending on the size of the family and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, people didn't have as big of refrigerators as they do now, so we deliver milk twice to bigger families, but, uh, so he knew the streets, you know, I mean, you know, I was there every day, every week, mm-hmm. every day. And so yeah, there were certain streets. Certainly we didn't do that. And certainly the busy streets, but, but I'm talking about neighborhoods, you know, where there was nothing houses, uh, you know, a few cars on either side. And, and by then, and back then also, most of the people worked, you know, I mean, they were gone, you know, they were working, they took their car to work right. and, you know, there was very few people that, you know, there was virtually no such thing as unemployment for all intents and purposes. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you had to get off your butt and you went to work. And so that's exactly what these people did. They were off their butts and they were, so, uh, so even though we're going through this neighborhood, there were sparse cars here and there parked on the side of the street but yeah. you know, and almost no traffic because you know it's in the morning. So yeah, we never had a problem. We you know, it's no no problem whatsoever. Okay. 
So that was the, you know the Chicago area, and then uh, I, you know, I was from more of the Oak Brook area, and Mc, Oak Brook is where the world headquarters for McDonald's mm-hmm. is, uh, was for years, for decades, and it has right. since moved, but it was world headquarters back then. And sixteen years old uh, is when I stepped out to uh, become a my first big step to success was to become a janitor, and uh, so as a result of that, I had two really interesting events happen in my life while I was a janitor. Uh, the first one was okay. uh, that I was, a- I was able to, uh, and that meant insured, so that if I was, when I was cleaning a place, if my buffer went crazy and hit something, the insurance company would cover it. So that allowed me to be in expensive locations. And because of that, I was also able, able to clean some very, very expensive homes. Back then, these were million-dollar homes. This was a long time ago. And one of the homes I cleaned was of a lady. Her name is June Martino. Now, for your listeners, mm-hmm. the name may mean nothing whatsoever until I refer. There was a, a, a movie out a few years back. It's still available on streaming, probably will be for a long time. And the name of the movie is called The Founder. And uh, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. Uh, uh, and, and, and it's very Hollywoodized. It's very drama. I mean, I lived through the whole McDonald's experience. And, I mean, it was literally... You know, the building. I mean, it was right there, the world headquarters. So the world, the whole McDonald's phenomenon happened during my lifetime. And I witnessed it step by step, including the first franchise in Des Plaines, Illinois, and drove by it. I don't know how many times and watched the sign go to one million burgers sold. You know, look how look what behemoth it is. Right. But that was one billion. Uh, one billion burger, or I'm sorry, one million burgers when they changed that sign. I thought, man, a million hamburgers. Like it's nothing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, as, as a result of this, uh, you know, being a janitor and, and being in this lady's house, I was in this lady. Her name was June Martino. And in the movie, okay. if you, I don't know, did you see the movie The Founder by any chance? Uh, no. With Michael Keaton. Uh, okay. If you, it's a good see. It's a good watch. If you, I mean, there's, you know, and it, again, it's very Hollywood. There's a lot of drama that Hollywood puts in there, and it isn't exactly the way it happened, but it's based mm-hmm. that certainly did take place movie ray crock keeps talking to a lady outside his office and he says june this june this june that that lady is the house i cleaned it's her house uh oh. so that's june martino who yeah. had who had the third most controlling stock in mcdonald's uh and so here i am at 16 and june, june at that point june martino was already an icon everyone here knew who she was I mean, well everyone knew june martino and so here I was buffing her floors. I was in there once a week, every single Wednesday. Uh, I, you know, I had to clean swimming pool and pull out Rolls Royce. And let me tell you, that was extraordinary. Here I am sitting in a Rolls Royce because I had to pull it out to sweep the garage. And I'm in a car. Times of my income, you know, and I'm in a Rolls Royce and I'm driving. What I call a rolls can hardly, which basically rolls down one, one hill and can hardly make it up the next. So I have a rolls can hardly, <laughs> but I'm sitting in this right. amazing Rolls Royce, and I think, man, and and I'm thinking an amazing thing, uh, uh, Luke. And this was my first real touch with success and how I was wrong about some really I some wrong. One of them was I thought to be rich and successful, you had to be a jerk. 
You had to take mm-hmm. advantage of people. people. You had to push people down. down. You had, had to be neo oriented. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and I always just had that perception. I don't know where it came from, but I just had it, you know. And um, and here was Judith Martino. I'm in her house cleaning it, and she is exactly the opposite. I mean, couldn't be anymore uh, the opposite. She approachable, nice, easy to talk to. She had full time maids and bosses condescending always very very nice um and if i was buffing the floor and she walked in i was looking down at the floor and she saw me before i saw her because i hadn't looked up right at that moment she would always say hi to me first i mean just very approachable and i thought man this is this woman i can i'm not able to count on my fingers and toes how many zeros she's worth and she's the opposite of what i thought she's not a superhero She's not like an alien. She doesn't have any superpower. She seems like a regular person. And, I mean, and so I'm thinking, wow, if June can do it. And she seems like a regular person. You know, and I, that little glimmer was sort of thinking, well, maybe I could do it too. I, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That, you know, she just, she, she was, you know, she probably had a lucky break or, you know, something else or, you know, uh, all excuses that we come up with, right? right. And, and, uh, and, and at 16 years old, I. Then there was one day where I could tell she was in an extra good mood. So I mustered up all the courage that's not no 16-year-old. And I went up to her, and I'm going to ask June Martino a question. So I went up to her, and I'm shaking, because this is June Martino. You know, I mean, I'm just like the janitor, right? It's got my name on my shirt. It's a blue shirt with a stripe on it. It's got the name of the company on one side, my name on the other. You know, we're talking janitor clothes uniform right so i'm so i walk up to her and I'm, i said hi june she said i'm just very approachable um i could i ask you a question she said sure you know i mean just nice and i said uh, could you tell me about it and she said uh, well, what's that? that and i said well, well the whole mcdonald's thing i'm not kidding luke she put her arm around me brought me in the kitchen and told me the entire mm-hmm. story i mean literally and i'd asked her in the morning all day long, we sat and in the kitchen, and she told me everything. She worked for Ray Kroc before he he was actually a milkshake mixer salesman, and that's how he met the McDonald's brothers. They put in a big mm-hmm. order for shake machines, and he was wondering, you know, on their butt. He's trying to sell even one to companies, and all of a sudden they put his big order, and they're going cups like it. No, because he supplied those too. Yeah. So, so she tells me the whole story because she worked for him then. Or Ray met the McDonald's brothers and then all the way through. And then she's telling me the story step by step. And then all the way through. And I'm thinking, man, why is she, you know, I'm like a 16 year old kid. Why is she telling me all this? You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I, I didn't expect I was going to hear every single thing, you know. Uh, I thought maybe just some nut shelling or, you know, a little sum up, not play by play. So but one time, and, and by the way, this is in the movie. So when you see the movie, think of me. Time okay. in the movie where June goes to Ray Kroc, Michael Keaton, who plays Ray Kroc, and says, we don't have any right. money. We're losing money. We're not making enough money. Here's the ledger. You can look for yourself. More money's going out than coming in. There's nothing. There's nothing to pay any of us. There's nothing there. That She told me that event decades before the movie came out. It wasn't quite the way the movie portrays it because, you know, Hollywood spin. But... Um, she, she told me the whole thing, and she said, "So we made a deal, right? Her. That he would not pay her any money because there was no money to pay her to begin with. So she's working for no money. Okay. 
And he gave her worthless, worthless less than zero company stock. Wow. And agreed to take all the phone calls from the bill collector so they wouldn't hound her. So I just asked her. I said, June. I, I said, said, I'm a janitor. I said, I work paycheck to paycheck Friday to Friday. I need my mm-hmm. paycheck on Friday. If I don't, I don't get paid, paid on Friday, Friday I'm not chilling on Saturday. I'm not going to be there. I need that paycheck. Why did you do it? Luke, I could tell. Right. When I asked her that, her question, 16-year-old, I just asked her question. No one had ever asked her before. I want to know what happened with McDonald's. Mm. At that point, became known because not because of the shopping mall. It was a very, very cute outdoor shopping mall. Outdoors, the mall was not enclosed. And store, store, store. It literally was a mall, but beautiful flowers. The whole thing was outside, and but it was actually mm-hmm. small, certainly by today's standards. And anyway, but uh, and but McDonald's World Headquarters was this one building that was huge. All of a sudden, came out of nowhere, and right next to the Hyatt House in Oakbrook, Illinois. Illinois. And it was a nicer area, so. Here I am staring at June, and she's staring back at me, but she's not saying anything because she's thinking of the answer. But she's got an eye lock on me. I mean, she's like looking right at me. Because she's having to think of, why did I ask her that? So when she spoke, Luke, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck because I remember succinctly what she said, even today, what she said, how she said it, and then my immediate response when she said it in my own mind. So after about 10 seconds, it seemed like 10 minutes because we're staring at each other and she's not there. And I'm looking around, do, 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 do. you know, I'm trying to think where to look because she's staring right at me. And, and I could tell she's not home. She's thinking, you know. <laughs> and uh, so then she spoke when I, I said, why did you do it? Why did you work for no pay? She said, because mm-hmm. I believed in Ray. And I remember right. my first instantaneous thought. My first thought, Luke, was, that's it. I need a Ray Kroc. I need someone that can teach me, bring me under their wing like Ray did with June, because it certainly didn't work out too bad for her. Look at it. I'm cleaning this million-dollar house, right? And I cleaned her son's house. She bought houses for her son. Uh, and, I mean, so, I mean, I, here, wow. this is incredible. And I think, that's the answer. I need a Ray Kroc. I'm the son of a milkman, burnt out janitor, who I think my fun is getting free songs on jukeboxes at two in the morning when I'm cleaning bowling alleys, you know. So <laughs> here I am, and I'm thinking, that's it. I need to do what you did. Obviously, Ray Kroc obviously taught her, right? So I need, I need to find myself mm-hmm. a Ray Kroc because I don't even know what I don't know. I just know I want it, whatever it is. I want to be rich and happy. Not, Not realizing happy. at that point, I even had that backwards. Because we, we should be rich first and then happy. I had it back. At 16 really? years old, you know, I'm a teenager. I'm all about the money. You know, I, mean, right. I want to get on with it. You explain I'm going to go to work and make it happen. Can you explain that here? Yeah. So just explain that for us. Why Why do you need to be happy then rich? Well, I rich think that, happy. I, you know, it's a... Uh, because too many times people, and we actually teach that in one of our courses, um, there's a six virtual prisons that people walk around in all the time. 
and we actually teach the six virtual prisons. We identify them, and we teach them the people, and we teach them how to get out of them. And the first one is called the prosperity prison. And the prosperity prison is basically summing it up. Money controls us. We're not controlling money. And because mm-hmm. of that, there's so many people where, you know, they work all month long at the end of the month, they still have more month, but there's no more money. They have more, more month than money <laughs> and mm-hmm. everything they do becomes tied up with the money they're earning. And that includes their happiness mm-hmm. quotient, you know, and, uh, and I can share with you, I've met billionaires that were very happy and I've met billionaires that were some of the most stressed unhappy people ever and the difference wasn't the money you know and that's one of the comments people make say if i have a lot of money i'd be happy that's not true they should learn on how they should learn about being happy and as a side note to a definite way to be happy that my business mentor taught me one of the things he taught me was as follows he said people of how to achieve happiness he said happiness Is not the absence of challenges, and it's not, not the absence of stress in your life. Is that not happiness? He said happiness is the proper management and framing of these things as they happen in our life. And I thought, and I remember the first time, and, and that ref, that definition he gave me changed my 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 feeling about that definition changed over the years as I as wisdom began to enter my life and impetuousness began to exit my life and one of those things i began to realize was he really was right that number one we should control money it shouldn't control us and number two that it's how we label events when they happen in our life how we frame events when they happen will help us how we interpret them inside with the over 1000 conversations all of us have in our head single day mm. quiet conversations no one else hears but us and we have these conversations with ourselves all day long and he taught me so how to modify those conversations how to, to label events when they were happening not only did i not know how to label them when i had a conversation in my head sometimes i even went huh <laughs> which is the worst yet yeah, when you have that conversation in your head you say huh Right. <laughs> and he, 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 so he taught me how to work with those and genuinely how to achieve exceptional happiness and the things that we need. Do you know, actually itself is a skill set. We can learn right. skillfully how to be happy. And, and, and people just say, you know, that, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, usually when people speak of happiness, they say, well, you're supposed to grow up. You, education, you meet someone, you get married, you get a job, you have a career, and you live happily ever after. They throw the happily ever after as an addendum on the end of things. And the, and it's, and yeah. that saying should begin with first thing. That's right. Learn That's right. happiness. So true. And be yes. happiness for the rest of your life. That's excellent. So I took you off the, the subject you were talking about, uh, Ray Kroc and, and everything. Uh, let's let's get back to that one. That's so quite all right. Okay, I appreciate that. And I and the, uh, you know, I, can, I can easily go, go in any direction. And I want your listeners and minutes yeah. if I can say it in twenty. <laughs> so yeah, so, uh, so so back there. So uh, so 
she told me, and I thought, man, I need, and so I did something foolishly. I didn't at the time. I tripped across it. I didn't know I did it right by mistake. You know, if, you, I mean, if you're gonna ever do something wrong by accident, I asked the by mistake. And the question I asked, and I just threw it out there. Where's my Ray Kroc? Where is mm-hmm. it? All right. That question, as I didn't realize till later on in my life, as my business mentor taught me, he said, don't worry about the answers. He said, people go about so many parts of life wrong. He really was a genius in the truest sense of the word, my business mentor. Right? And I mean, not the IQ baloney. Because your IQ says, and that's baloney. I mean, he was human okay. engineering genius. You know, I mean, he could look at someone, talk with them, peck them, and know their life, and know their hot buttons, and what you know. I mean, it's super quick, super astute, and a genius that way. And uh, and one of the things he taught me was, as we go through life and we have these events and we have these circumstances, he said, as we go through life, we want to become happy right away. As we want to maintain that happiness quotient. And when things happen in our life, we want to properly manage them going forward. And so here I am throwing it out there. I throw out this question. Where's my Ray Kroc? And when I asked that question, mm-hmm. I found the answer. And you see, people don't realize our lives, Luke, become self-fulfilling prophecies. And people are so focused on, I got to find the answer. I got to find the right answer. I got to find it. Wrong about it it's backwards right what they right. should be doing is exactly. focusing on the right questions and asking the right question will get us the right answer asking the right question to the right person will get us the right answer so people focus so much on the answers they're not even thinking about the questions so they constantly ask the wrong question the answer is there fulfills itself with the wrong answer surprised when they get it such as how come I'm never successful? How come I can't make it? How can, uh, those are all, all the wrong questions. questions. And because of that, their life keeps fulfilling them with the right, with the answers to those questions. And now they're surprised. How come I never made money? You know, and see, even in my mind, as I said, those things to you, I had to rework them in my mind right then 10 seconds ago, because I won't allow my mind to entertain those thoughts. I won't allow my mind to entertain those questions because I'll never want, I don't want those answers. So my businessman. Right. Out there, Luke, and I said, It was about three months later at the office, same janitorial service I worked at. It was a friend of the mm-hmm. family. So it was after hours, it was in the early evening, you know, sort of after dinner time. I'd punched out already. And uh, so we're just talking, the two of us, you know, and the phone rings. And uh, a few minutes later, he hangs up the phone. He said, Well, some guy's in from Detroit and uh, he needs to uh, see. And he needs to see it tonight. He's mm-hmm. opening a diamond store and he's leaving back on a plane tomorrow. So he needs to, he needs to see. It. Okay. Yeah. What's that got to do with me? He said, well, I need you to go. I said, I'm not going. <laughs> I said, Jerry, I said, I've already punched out. I've been cleaning all day. I'm exhausted. I'm not going to go show this guy some carpeting. And he, he said, I, I need you to go. He said he has to see some carpeting. He's got to see it tonight. I said, Jerry, you no. know I don't know how to bid out carpeting jobs. I know how to clean carpet. I can vacuum it. I can shampoo carpet. I know what the, you know, I said, but I don't know how to bid out a carpet job. 
And he said, well, I'll give you a wheel. And you walk this way and this way on the wheel. And uh, he said, call me on the phone. phone. I said, I'm not. I'm not. That's it. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm not going to go. He said, I'll tell you what. If you go, I'll give you your pick of any Saturday off you want. Mm -hmm. Now, Luke, for a janitor, that's a huge negotiation chip because we're cleaning when businesses are closing. So Saturday, when they're closed morning to night, we're cleaning. So right. I said, so I, I want to make sure my ear hadn't tricked me. So I repeated it back to him. I said, any Saturday? And he said, yeah, any Saturday. And I said, okay. So I put the samples in the car and I'm driving now, setting the stage for your listeners. I don't want to go. I've said no over three times. Go. I don't know anything about property. Right. Doing this is a favor for my boss. I'm not doing it for him. I don't care about this the guy from Detroit. Seriously, I'm going to see a guy from Detroit. You got to be kidding me, right? So I have all these reasons. I don't want to go. But little do I know, I'm about ready to meet my Ray Kroc. I'm about ready mm. to meet the man will change the trajectory of my life forever. So I share with your listeners, be observant. Be aware of those moments and time that seem so insignificant and small on the edge of a dime that will ultimately manifest into one of the largest events that it could possibly even happen in your life. So here I am, begrudgingly, Going to meet the man mm-hmm. that I've asked to meet by throwing it out there. Where's my red crock? Here he is. I don't even know it. And now that I, I'm saying no to go meeting him. <laughs> Life saying, here it is. Here it is. I've been, no, no, no. I don't want it. I don't want it. So, so, so I, it, we had this immediate comfort level. Immediate. I mean, have look you ever met someone where the moment you meet them, you feel like you've almost known them before. Such a comfort level oh, talking sure. with them. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, it yeah, was that kind of thing. A few times, for sure. It's unmistakable. Unmistakable. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And 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 there's no explanation for it. It just sort of happens. You know? And and so here I'm talking with this guy, mm-hmm. and we talked for a couple of hours. And I never sold him the carpeting. We only had commercial grade for like offices and that kind of thing. And he wanted something real plus for this build out. He's open now. So as I'm leaving, he offers me a job, and I said no again. And, and I, so I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm a janitor, man. About diamonds. He said, I'll teach you. I said, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about diamonds. All I know is, number one, they're expensive. And number two, someday a woman's going to ask me for one. That's all I know. That's all I know about diamonds. He said, well, I'll teach you. And I said, no. Nah. I said, no. So now I'm saying, no, this is about the sixth time, right? So as I'm walking out the door, he hooks me. I didn't know till knowing him much later. Mm-hmm. What he really was doing, because he really was a genius, he knew exactly what to say that would grind me and sort of get my goat, if you will. As I was walking out the door, he said, what do you have to lose? You could always go back be Right. And that, that got me. And I thought, and I turned to him, I said, no, I'm all set. People always make a mess and I can always clean it up. I can work anywhere. I'm all good. And I left. So I'm in the car and it's grinded me. He's right. I couldn't work anywhere. 
I, I could be a janitor. Yeah, I, work. Work. I could go place to clean up. They're everywhere, right? So I get halfway home. By the way, this is, I told you this was in the evening. It's almost midnight. It's almost midnight now. And I'm halfway home. I turn the car around because now I'm just mad. I'm not, a, not angry mad, but I'm just sort of thinking, you know, all right. I mean, I'm find out exactly what he meant by that, right? So I turn the car around and I think, well, he's gone. Probably already left. Go back there. No, he's still there. So we talk. He offered me the job and we talked. And then for the next four months, I got in the car. At four in the morning, uh, Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday morning, drove 301 mm-hmm. miles. I remember the mileage exactly from suburb of Chicago to suburb of Detroit. Right, called Southfield, Michigan. That's where that we were meeting. Detroit. And, and, uh, and, and, and back then, by the way, uh, uh, there was an area on seven Southfield Road. Because um, you know, Detroit has. Uh, there's a lot of there's mile roads, you know, seven mile, eight mile, and they're about a mile apart, right? And and back then, seven mile road in Southfield Road in Southfield, Michigan, there was in that area that there was a lot of jewelry stores. I mean, doesn't look that way now. I mean, couldn't be any further from that. Um, you know, if there's jewelry, it's because of a pawn shot, not because of a jewelry store. But, but back then, there was a lot of jewelers in that area, and so I was going to try an office there. So I drove 301 miles. Got in the, it was about six hours back then. I remember the drive. I remember the miles because I did it every week. Okay. For six hours, then drove back 301 miles, did all of that in one day, every single weekend for four months in a row and never missed a weekend because I valued what he had. I valued the knowledge. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. And I think that that stops a lot of people, Luke, because they think, you know, if I say, I don't know, and I say, I want to learn, it's going to make it look like you didn't know. And it's just the opposite. I, I, you know, one of the fastest ways someone can learn, get, gain credibility with me is say, you know what? That's really interesting. I, I don't know that. Could you teach me? Because I'll have a lot of respect for someone that just simply says, right. I don't know that. Could you teach me that? I, that's, I find that really interesting. You know, that to me, that's a much smarter person. Then a person who says, you know, yeah. as we call them, the sophomore, the know-it-all, you know. I right. know it all. I don't have to take a train. I don't have to upscale, you know. I know what to do, and you know, those people just go because you know, they got nothing better to do. <laughs> I this wish, just excuses I wish my part. daughters would uh, take that approach more often. They're teenagers. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Well, you know, I gotta, I, I'm got i going to share something with you, and my <laughs> listeners may disagree my listener, the, the listeners in the podcast may okay. disagree with me, but All right. I, I have to tell you, I don't think it's too far off. So it, it's, it's almost humorous, and I don't mean to offend anyone when I'm about to say it, having to do teenagers, teenagers. but uh, my father, one of the best definitions of a teenager, he said, God comes okay. to them when they're 16 years old, and he takes their brain, and he removes it from them, and he doesn't give it back to them until they're 25. <laughs> Right. No. Okay. And, and, so I got about so, a decade to, to. So, yeah, yeah. So I want to share. By the way, I have three children. So, you know, they're, and they're all in their 20s and 30s. So I've been through this. I don't mean to offend anyone. I mean that in humor. Okay. You know, no, they, obviously at that age, they're, they're, they're very pliable and very malleable and uh, susceptible yes. to things that, 
you know, and, and wisdom is not there yet. The wisdom, you know, hasn't even, has, hasn't even begun to make it into their life. So uh, I certainly understand that. And, and, and with your listeners, by the way, could do, Luke, because you said that, I want to share that. With your listeners, you know, one of the best things they can do is simply share this podcast. What's that? Share your podcast yeah. with others and say, you know what? I, I heard a really thought-provoking thing. And I know you like to listen to books. You like to listen to music, music you know, and all that kind of stuff. And even to a teenager and say, listen to this thing. You may find it sort of a, an interesting, you know, I know you like to listen to this. Listen to this and give me your opinion of it. <laughs> you never know. It may provoke know. some thought. It may strike a chord. Very true. And it may open up their minds. So true. I make them listen to what I want to listen to when I'm uh, dad taxi service. You know, we drive, we have to drive them everywhere. Oh yeah. So uh, I make them listen to what I want to listen to. And I can tell that their ears are perking up, you know, quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, very, at that age, they're very open receptive. And again, mm -hmm. unfortunately, and, and sort of fortunately, they're male bit and, yeah. you know, and don't necessarily haven't learned how to as we we teach in our course what things we teach is how to play that video forward in your head in other words before you make a decision how do you play that mm. video forward in your head to help you understand what's going to be the outcome and the result because every decision in fact i can even back it up every thought we, we think has a result mm -hmm. everything we say yes. has a every action indeed has a result. And when we can learn the skill of playing that result forward in our mind, like you would a video, fast forward, how is this going to look? Mm. It will have a direct impact on our decision-making skills. And also the very thoughts we think that will manifest themselves in our life. Yeah, that's great. I'm uh, about to make a huge decision. I'm going to switch companies. And uh, that's really good advice. That's what I'm going to do. Just kind of play it for forward in my head. Yeah. And, and and think it through. And, you know, we have uh, in a third course, which is called Giver's Lifelong Learning. Um, we, we actually have a, a cornerstone foundation series of courses. It's three courses. That's called Give to Be Great. That's the name of the courses. And the first okay. course is uh, called The Giver's Mindset, How Givers Think Differently Than Takers. We have proven that givers will earn three times more than takers. Givers earn more because they discern more. They've learned how the second course we have is called the giver's lifestyle this is the way and and we contrast in that course the difference between how givers live versus how takers live there are actual habits that you can observe givers doing over and over again literally habitually they will do these habits over and over again and you but you can see them do it and also see the 30 habits that takers do over and over again and that helps us in our discerning process. We actually teach the all 60 habits, 30 of givers, 30 habits. And then the third course is called Giver's Lifelong Learning. Learning. And there we teach uh, uh, you know, the, about the, the six uh, uh, prison, six prisons, virtual prisons that people mm -hmm. are in. And also the four critical questions, the four critical questions that givers ask before they make a decision. 
Can and you tell great, us? Great question. Don't... I'd love to share them all with you, but I, I, I knew that my question was coming. And I, I, I and and <laughs> I can't share. I had to share. Sure. I, in, in all honesty, I, I'd love to share all four. I want to, uh, but two of them would be grossly out of context without the foundation in the background of what the questions mean. Otherwise, it would just, just someone say, what the heck did he just say? So, but I can certainly give you a couple of them. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Cause they, you know, w- without the foundation, but the first one is what we just said. When I play this video forward, what will this pathway look like? When I play this video right. forward, look like, and through that course, we actually give example after example, after of how to play that video forward, what it looks like, how you do that to help in your decision-making process to get the results and the rewards you want in your life. The second question is, what will this predictive end result look like when it comes to light? I repeat that question. Okay. And in there, there was three specific words. In this third course, we teach what are called the PERs, predictive end results. There's actually predictable end results for each thought we think. You can predict the end result of that. Mm -hmm. You can predict the end result of the things we say. Mm -hmm. You can predict the end result of the events when we play them forward. Now, we're not able to predict what someone else is going to do, but that's on them. We can predict the self-fulfilling part of our lives, right? That is, what will this predictive end result look like when it comes to light. That means when the bright light of life is shining on it, will I be Mm -hmm. proud and happy? Did I do, is this the right thing? And do I know my conviction or is there something in my mind somewhere that gauge, that compass is saying, saying, this comes look exactly the way you want it to, or something's a little bit off or something's a little bit different that I'm not able, I'm not able to put my finger on it right now, but I know when that high beam of light is shining on it, of life, that end result, is it going to look exactly the way I want it to look? Because if not, I maybe should invest a little bit more time on this decision. So those are two of the questions. And, 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 and so those four, we call them four critical ask themselves and we teach this we teach these questions as a skill we teach them as a skill to teach people how to discern and make good decisions through all of these courses with give to be great um sort of in conclusion if i can i want to share with your listeners how they can reach us uh, because we want to give them some freebies compliments of your podcast luke um they simply go to our website uh it's giversuniversity.com plural giversuniversity.com on all the pages, there's a place where they can sign up for our e-newsletter. It's absolutely free. Cost. They simply put in their first name and then after, underneath that, put their email. They'll get an email that's a confirmation email because we don't spam. So they need to confirm, yes, I want to communicate yeah. with these people because we don't we don't pound people's mailboxes mm-hmm. or anything like that, you know. And then with our newsletter, it's the weekly one. It goes out once a week, typically Thursday morning, one newsletter a week. And, and, and we want to give them good nuggets of information. When they sign up for our newsletter, and then they, it's called whitelisting. I went. Um, then the, immediately they're, they're going to get a download. The first download is called the six arrows that takers. 
It's a freebie. We want okay. them to download it and use it. It's a great tool that they can use that will help them discerning in their relationships with other people. And then also the, the about a couple of days later, they're going to get a checklist of the 25 do's. It's a two-page checklist. They can download it. We want them to download it. Use it. It's a great tool that's going to help them discern who they should have in their life and who they shouldn't. And uh, and, and we nurture. We're nurturers. We're givers. We love to give information. We love to help. We love to build value with people's lives. So it's great, usable, not fluff kind of stuff. Um, that they're going to be able to benefit. So they just go to giversuniversity.com, sign up for the newsletter. It's just that simple. And because what we really teach, if I, and some people say, well, it's sort of in conclusion, and that is we teach the following. I say to your listeners, we love everybody. We love everybody. Yeah. And we teach people how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And in the world today, Luke, we this is opening in closer than ever. We have products being antiquated overnight by brand new products coming out overnight. And all we have left is our relationship. I'm a self-improvement guy. I can tell you're a self-improvement guy. I'm sure many of your listeners are. Yes. I'm a self-improvement But one thing and where the only one that's teaching it is as follows. What about the other guy? What if he's not doing it right? What should I do? <laughs> right. No one's teaching us. So because of that, no one's teaching us how to discern who should we bring closer into our life and who should we respectfully distance ourselves, not rude or insensitive or nasty, respectfully, mm-hmm. but distance ourselves because everything they bring with them is not going to be what I want in my life. So like one guy the other day, I was talking with him. This is really great stuff. I read this book and it says, we got to have five great, good people in our life. I said, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. We do. I missed your question. Which five? And it was a blank look on his face. And uh, I could tell, I said, do you see my point? No one's teaching us how to discern who we should have in our life. That's going to add to us, add to our productivity, lower our stress energy givers and we're going to give energy back versus those in our life that we don't want to have in our life. So when we use the term giver, we're not labeling people. We label their deeds. When we say mm-hmm. taker, we're not labeling people. We're labeling their deeds. And one of the check the checklist that your listeners are going to get, identify the actual deeds. I do. It's actually a check. Are the things people will do that you should be watching, watch them do these things. And then from that decide, should I pull them closer in or should I not? So from that, uh, we love to be able to share that with recommend your listeners, share this podcast with others, especially those in your family that maybe are being a little takerish and, you know, and you, and you, and you want to talk with them, but you love them and you don't know how to broach it. Luke's podcast is one of the best ways to broach the subject with it, share it with them and say, I love this podcast. It was very thought provoking. Listen to tell me what you think. And you never know. You might be doing them a great favor. That's exactly what we're going to do. So thank you so much for your time today, EA. That was awesome. Thank you for having me on your great show, Luke. I really appreciate it. It's always great to talk with you, my friend. And uh, 
please do me a favor. And for all your listeners, don't just have a good day, but have your best day ever. We will. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Newtown Big Dreams podcast with your host, Luke Menkes, and his authentic guests. And we love our listeners and hope you subscribe now to learn more about the amazing journeys of our incredible guests who relocated to find a new town, Big Dreams. And remember, make your dreams big. Thank <laughs> you.